not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! Suits. You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Mobile Suit Mondays on Fanholes. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC, and I'm joined tonight by two, count them, two of my fellow Gundam enthusiasts. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and when you hear jazz, I'm nearby. Hey, this is Justin of the Living Dead Division. Woo! So, if you haven't figured it out from those cryptic clues, we are talking about the new original net animation, ONA. I had to look it up, because I was like, I know what an OVA is, but I had no idea. I'm like, what is an ONA? But apparently it stands for Original Net Animation. And this original net animation that was released on Christmas 2015 was Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt. And Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt is actually based on an ongoing manga by Yasuo Otagaki. And I guess it started on March 23rd, 2012. And I guess it's still ongoing, or maybe it finally wrapped up or whatever. But apparently this ONA is going to go for about four episodes. And the first episode was released rather recently. So we we'd get together and discuss it, because I think we were all kind of into it. And I guess what I'll do is I'll just read a quick synopsis from the Gundam Info website. I just cribbed it from there, and then we can get into, like, the nitty-gritty about talking about the episode and kind of our thoughts and, and kind of some questions we might have and things like that. But here we go. Side 4, or more, was destroyed by the Xeon forces and is now a quote-unquote Thunderbolt sector filled with floating debris. The Moore Brotherhood, made up of survivors who have lost their homeland, launches an operation to eliminate Zeon's Living Dead Division, which now occupies the sector. Pilot Eo Fleming of the Moore Brotherhood is shot down in battle by Daryl Lorenz, a Zeon ace sniper, but he manages to escape. After killing an enemy pilot and stealing his mobile suit, Eo 
taunts Daryl by sneering at his prosthetic legs. Daryl swears to seek revenge on Eo, who has killed his ally and mocked him and his comrades. So that's... It's, it's funny, like, I read that synopsis, and I'm like, it doesn't make it sound, like, super interesting when they write it like that, but this is a a very dynamic, like, really cool-looking Gundam series. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement for it. Like, what, what would you guys say? Can I uh, just lead off with the fact that I, I lied in my intro? I don't actually like jazz, and it, the presence of it is more likely for me to go away than be nearby. But... <laughs> No, that's <laughs> what? Are you that's, crazy? Get, that's get out of here. Stuff. Go listen. That's... Go listen to your pop music. You, you <laughs> I, I would probably, even though what do you call Justin has the the Daryl avatar and I have the EO avatar, I'd probably be more into you know listening to like J-pop girls or whatever like Daryl does. So, but no, um, I I thought it was interesting. I mean, like. First of all, the animation was beautiful, and yeah. I mean, since it's like only 20 minutes long, they could probably put a lot more into those 20 minutes, and, and you know, than than usual, and it, it might even come out in less time than something like Unicorn took, like coming out. There's certainly a lot of like, it, like the 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 jazz element of it, or the music in general, like it certainly adds a sort of like style to it, like or or like coolness or. And I think it's kind of impossible not to think of, like, Cowboy Bebop or something yeah, like that yeah. when you're watching it. Like, in generally, I enjoyed it, but, like, I guess, like, we'll get into it. But there are parts of it where I'm, I was kind of like, okay, you're trying, like, too hard to be, like, cool and jazzy and stuff. But, you know, on, on the whole, I think I enjoyed it. So wh how about you, Justin? Like, what are your first impressions of Gundam Thunderbolt? Do you, you have anything different to add or you want to echo some of what we've said so far or? I really liked it, and whereas Mike might be put to sleep by jazz, much like the motion picture puts his mom to sleep, uh, <laughs> uh, I really liked it. And I guess it is fair to compare it to Cowboy Bebop because it's in space, but it reminded me of uh, an anime called Kids on the Slope, which is like all about jazz, and it's full of music by like real jazz musicians like Art Blakey and Bill Evans. I really liked the opening sequence where you're going through the Federation you know, mobile suit bay, and it, the music flows really well with what you're seeing, you know, you see these soldiers zipping around, and, you know, they're, they're, you've got a bunch of them in the smoking room smoking, which made me laugh, and you've got the soldier meeting up with his sweetheart, and they're making out and stuff, like, it, I, I think that wouldn't have flowed as well without the jazz music, but, like, the, the animation is really great, I think that's what stood out the most for me, like, aside from the music, was the animation was really sweet. You know what the animation actually reminded me of, and I don't know that I've talked about this all that much. I think I may have recommended it as an awesome thing of the week once on the proper show. But I, I thought maybe the animation and or the character model design, it reminded me a lot of the, the film Redline, which is like sort of a anime futuristic car race thing and it's like just the way the the faces are structured and things like that i don't know like that was something that that came to mind when i was watching it, a comparison i thought of and then i think 
you know, I, I think I tend to err on the side of Justin. Like, I like jazz. I like Cowboy Bebop. I like the music in it. So I think when I heard this, it was kind of like, yeah, this is pretty sweet. You know, you've got Ensign EO, and he's kind of like rocking out with his drumsticks and everything, and he's into the jazz. He's into the, the flows and everything. You know, w what I did in preparation for this was I actually looked over some of the manga that this episode was based on and w what's interesting is they they tend to streamline everything i'm not going to say it strays a great deal from the original manga but something i did notice was you could see like the the black musicians playing their trumpets and different instruments in the background when eo is listening to the various music and everything so it's almost like they they sort of focused on them a little more exclusively in the manga whereas this i think it was like a tool you know, kind of, kind of like you know. I mean, I know it's it's an easy thing to mock, but I mean, it, it's definitely an opening. You know, montage. You know, set to jazz, where you can get the whole air of what's going on in the background. You can see all the. I mean, I guess if you're if you're informed enough, if you, if you know enough about the Universal Century Gundam universe, like you can see in that opening sequence, you're like, oh look. The, those are Federation spacesuits or normal suits. Do you know what I mean? And you can sort of pick out what's going on. I know when I first watched it, and I'll ask you guys this too, but when I first watched it, I did kind of question, like, is when is this set exactly? And and I kind of wondered, because it, it seems like it's definitely set during the one-year war, given the attire and given the way the side was all, you know, this Thunderbolt sector where it's like it kind of gives you the vibe of when, you know, Side 7 was attacked in the original Mobile Suit Gundam, you know, and you're like, oh, geez, is this the remnants of some side? You know, part of me is like, I, I, I don't even know that I made the distinction that it was a separate side from the side that Amuro came from, even though I guess technically it is, you know, so I started thinking like, well, when exactly is this series set? But, you know, g going by the, the manga itself, it seems to be set in, you know, 0079. You know, it's during the one-year war. So I found that kind of interesting. But did, did you guys have any thoughts on that, like, when you were first watching it? I was... Sometimes I'm kind of like, like, man, like... I don't know if it, like, takes away from things, but, like, I feel like sometimes it's like... You know, I thought Amaro's Gundam was the one special, like, you know, thing yeah, in that yeah. war and stuff. And, like, all these side stories are sort of like, no, there were, like, a bunch of other Gundams, like, running around everywhere. And, like, I don't know, like, stuff like the 08th MS team, like, those Gundams, like, I feel like I can make give those a pass. Because those seem like, like, mass-produced, like, shittier versions of, like, Amaro's Gundam. But, like, the Thunderbolt Gundam seems, like, really, like, overpowered and something that might show up in, like, Zeta almost, like, seven. <laughs> yeah. You know what I what I thought, actually, was I, I went a step further than that. Like, I, I, I said my, my only pet peeve for this is the Thunderbolt. And to me, the Thunderbolt felt like a, a total seed suit. Like, to me, it felt like it's one of these suits that can do no wrong, you know? And I, I sort of agree with you, especially when I'm kind of thinking about, you know, when it's set. Because you're like, wait, this is this is in 0079 they have a suit like this already? You know, like, you're kind of like... And, and I sort of agree with what you're saying. Like, I thought Amaro's was supposed to be, like, you know, the one true, you know, gun... You know, the, the one you know, special suit as opposed to, you know, all these mass produced, you know, GMs and things like that. So I, I, I do sort of concur with that assessment. I guess, I guess that's the one part of this 
series you sort of have to overlook. You know, you sort of just have to go, oh, okay, he's part of a, an elite, you know, basically, you know, group of people, and he ended up getting this, you know, mobile suit because he's from a higher echelon of society, and you're like, just have to sort of, I guess, go with it. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, you're, you're just going to be mad at the rest of the series or something like that. But I, I guess I sort of let it go because it was so cool, you know, if that makes any sense. I, I wouldn't dispute that it, it like it doesn't it looks co- like it definitely looks cool and stuff but like a part of me was also like kind of like wait a minute like, yeah no I I understand I totally understand like I I sort of felt that way too like because it doesn't seem like the Xeon like I mean I I guess you could argue like you know depending on exactly when in the one year war this takes place it's like they've got some some regular Zaku's but then it even seems like the the mobile suit that that Ensign Eo captures is kind of like a rickdom you know so you're like well wait a minute i thought you know i guess you could apply that same logic and say hey i thought the black tristars were special but you know here's some schmuck who gets shot in the face which by the way was a really cool fucking scene i mean you know a lot of that stuff i think that that makes this piece is all the action sequences i mean you've got all this jazz going on in the background but yet you know, like the the contrast too is kind of funny. Like that's something that might be fun to talk about. Is that you know you've got all these Federation guys trying to attack, you know, basically the Thunderbolt section, you know, side four, and they're all before they know it, before they're even on top of the side. Like all these guys, you know, Ensign Eo's mobile suit, his 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 headpiece gets destroyed right off the bat from a sniper. And the Xeon sniper basically takes out his captain and his whole fucking crew. I mean, this whole fleet of guys gets taken out. And then what's kind of funny is, you know, all these guys are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, ah, the captain's, ah! And everybody's, like, screaming their fucking heads off because they're all getting clipped one by one. And then when you cut back to the, you know, the lead Xeon character that we talked about, Daryl, who is this ace sniper, you know, of course, he's he's listening to this, this pop music as he's doing it. And it's almost like, I mean, it's almost tantamount to, you know, the chaos of war. And then you're sort of diffused by one, how far away he is from it all. And that he's essentially listening to like elevator music. You know, it's just like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, there's definitely no like client telling you to like to, uh, to avoid hitting their cockpits. They're, they're just full on brutal. With it. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. I liked about it. There's no yeah. there's no uh, pissing out when it comes to Thunderbolt. I think it was a little like I thought it was pretty like like that scene you mentioned where, you know, EO hijacks the Dom and stuff like I think that was kind of cathartic, like for me, like in a like real world way, because I'm like fucking snipers like yeah, I mean, yeah. like like <laughs> god damn you like nothing beats like in halo or like any kind of first person shooter like sneaking up on a sniper and like bashing them in the back of the head or something like that so <laughs> that, that that was really cathartic yeah i mean you know the other thing i think is interesting is talking about like i mean i do want to bring up that since i i did go over the manga a little bit i mean i i think this is fairly faithful to the manga but it's interesting how there's little nuances and details where the direction they decided to go in different ways with and like one of the scenes i noticed it in and i i kind of like i mean maybe it's just because i saw the the anime episode first before i read the manga but I think we've had this discussion before, Mike, where sometimes it's hard for me to follow the action that's depicted in a manga, and it's much easier to see it 
animated, you know, like to see actually what's going on instead of just snapshots of an action piece. And I, I think that's true for this as well, because I feel like having seen the anime, I was able to follow the manga a little easier, like things that weren't spelled out, like when when EO pulls off with like the, the, the Rick Dom looking thing. And, and kind of floats off and he kind of explains how, you know, oh, well, the snipers won't be able to get me now because I've, you know, plotted a course where none of your trajectories will hit me and I'll get back to my ship and everything. But like in the in the manga, it's kind of like they, they don't do full shots of that. And like if you didn't have the context, you might be sort of confused, I, I feel like. And like the, then there's that interesting scene where you've got Daryl and, and his guys, you know, the living dead division, and they, they recovered the body of the guy that you just said was, you know, basically bashed in the head. You know, he, he basically like just shoots him straight up in the face and like chucks his body outside of the suit and, you know, basically, you know, taunts these, these guys that have sniped his whole crew. And he's basically like, Hey, the next time you guys hear some jazz music, that means I'm coming to kill your ass, you know? And it's like, Oh, okay. That's, you know, it, I mean, it sets up that rivalry, instantly like within a heartbeat where it's kind of cool because you're like oh it, it's not you know i i don't know it's it, th this reminds me of kind of like a a fast-paced version of stardust memory like neither of these guys are new types but they both are in the universal century and there's there's kind of like a I, I i don't know if there's a love triangle going on but there is like a little love story going on in the background between eo and the captain who i guess hates his guts but is still wet for him anyway or some shit, you know, like, and so you, you've got all that kind of stuff going on. And then, and then you've got like Daryl who basically carts this guy's carcass back to the Zeon base. And then you've got this other scientist who's waiting there. And like nobody, it, it's funny because that whole sequence is almost dialogueless. They bring in the corpse and this one lady, you know, strolls in, and they're like, you know, Carla, do you want to do you want to open that up? And she unzips the 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 body bag and she just starts crying over this guy. And everybody's kind of shocked because you get the idea. I mean, they don't really need to say anything. It's like, you know, those two have been, you know, fucking or whatever. And she's totally broken up about him getting clipped in the head. But nobody really says anything. They're all just kind of like, oh, like, you know, they're realizing it for the first time. But what was kind of funny is in the manga, like, it, it's a little more spelt out, I guess. I don't know if it's because you can't communicate that sort of silent scene in a manga or something. But it's like, it, it's funny in the background of the manga, it's like, oh, those two were getting it on? Whoa, didn't realize that. Like, like all this, like, chatter in the background. And I was kind of glad the direction they went with it. In, in the anime, because it seemed to just, you didn't need any of that, you know, it totally played, you know, just the way it was. Did anyone find it, like, the, the living dead division, like, like, odd or anything? Like, it's like, oh, yeah. it's a, this collection of guys that all have, like, war wounds and stuff, but I, I was kind of like, well, clearly they're all pretty competent. you think Xeon wouldn't be so petty as to be like, you know, here's all these leftovers, like, you know, and stuff. You guys, like, you guys do something together. Like, all those guys seem kind of, like, com really competent and skilled, but yet it seems like they were, like, cast away and, like, segregated almost, like, from, like, from the usual Xeon, like, military i don't know i just thought that was kind of weird like the, the like daryl takes out like you know 10 gms in like 
10 seconds, basically. You'd think they'd want someone like him, like, on the front lines or something. I was just thinking it's like, you know, if you were thinking of, like, our current military, it's like if you lose a limb, you pretty much get discharged. But I guess I guess Zeon is like a harsh, you know, mistress or something. It's like, oh, you lost a limb? Well, never mind, you're going to the Living Dead division or something. Well, you know, you, you know what I was thinking of, though? I mean, you, you have to look at it from the context of who the Zeon would represent historically. I mean, you know, odds are, you know, they would be the American militia during, you know, the the revolution. You know what I mean? Like, like that. It, it's like you may say, oh, yeah, well, if you lose a limb, it's time for you to get discharged. But if you're under George Washington and some redcoats are going to burn your fucking house down, it's like, well, you know, so you got a peg leg. So what? Like, you still got to kick some redcoat ass. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's that's kind of where, where I was coming from it with. Like, do do I think it's weird? Like, like the one guy who has those like two mechanical arms, I did think it was strange, but it, it seemed like like the the people they were working with like those doctors and everything they they have that offhanded comment of yeah even though you're bringing back in the body bag like let's get the data let's 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 help you guys out and get the data so you guys can be better operatives so it seems like there's some some kind of experimentation going on that maybe would account for the the precision with which they're they're fighting with somehow like maybe there's some kind of you know scientific experimentation and mechanical enhancements like things like that that's going on that we're not a hundred percent privy to did i did i think it was strange yes but but not so strange that i was like sort of what why are they doing this like this this wrecks up everything with the zeon philosophy you know i was just kind of like well yeah it's a little weird but not any weirder than you know having uh uh what is it like you know a Bawaku, you know, big doms and zoms and all this kind of other stuff that they were always doing, you know, that the Zeon always had to fight Amuro or whatever. Yeah, no, like that part of it, I'm all cool with. It was just, it seemed like, 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 like I was saying how Amuro's Gundam was like special and stuff. It seems like if this guy can take out so many GMs or whatever, it seems like, you know, Garen Zabi would be like, like, send this man to, like, my personal guard or something, you know. Or... You, you know, it's funny. It's interesting that you mentioned that because in, in trying to prepare and reading the manga, I wasn't exactly sure where I needed to stop based on the conclusion of this episode. So I, I ended up reading chapter one up until I think, like, the fourth or fifth section of chapter one you know how they, i guess they kind of break it into little chapters and everything and and i did read like the first couple pages of like maybe chapter six or whatever it was and there's like this like newspaper article where like gear and zombie is actually i guess either commending what's his name daryl and and his crew but like it's kind of like this like promotional newspaper thing where like you see the back of Giran Zabi's head and it's like Giran Zabi says like the Living Dead Legion is the tits you know or, you know whatever the article says <laughs> like some something like that where and I was like oh okay so I I I don't know if that's something we'll end up seeing in the second episode or not but I mean maybe that I I don't know if that's just like fan service and it's not good enough to answer your question you know basically going like how come they're not on the front lines like wrecking shop but I mean it seems like they are on the front lines of side four do you know what I mean like they're they're defending it it's just side four happens to be a colony that 
we never really dealt with in the one year war. I guess I guess it's kind of like a a shitty answer, but do you know what I mean? Like, it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, how come, you know, uh, yeah. we never saw, you know, planet Naboo during, you know, episodes, you know, four, five and six, you know, and it's like, well, it didn't have too much to do with the war then, you know, or whatever, I guess. I don't, I don't know. That's the only other that I, you know, you, you kind of finagle it or try to make excuses for it. But I, I mean, I, I appreciate what you're saying. Like if, if they had a scene later on or a flashback that showed, Daryl fighting Amaro and that's how he loses his legs like would you think that would be a good tie-in or do you think it would make that one-year war like too small and confined yeah I mean there, there's probably arguments for and against that you know there there's the argument for where you're like oh well that makes sense he was on the front line and he did face off against Amaro but yeah. then there's that you know argument where everybody gets mad at Spider-Man because it's like everybody's related to everybody they can't just unmask and be some random person that he doesn't know it's always got to be you know liz allen's brother or cousin or <laughs> you know what i mean like where yeah. it's like oh everybody's got to be somebody and it's like it, it does that elevate daryl then unnecessarily like it's like oh amuro chopped off his legs he's really cool you know i know that's like <laughs> stupid to say but you know what i mean like basically he gets the 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 original series cred even more so you know it's like well what are you gonna do like it's like oh well you know, it's like it's like Garen Zombie once like mouthed off to Eo or whatever. You know, it's just like okay, well, you you could do that, but there's a point where where it gets kind of ridiculous. I it's suppose. like after Daryl got his legs chopped off like by Amaro Ray, he's like so cool. <laughs> <laughs> what what I was laughing about in the in the manga was. They spelled, you know how like they call side four, you know, more and it's like the more brotherhood. And even in the most of the subtitles you're reading in the anime, it spells it like Alan Moore, you know, like M-O-O-R-E. But when I was reading the manga, you know, it's like one of those weird romanizations where they actually spell it M-U-A, like the Mua, you know, because probably that's that's maybe how they say it in, in Japan or something. You know, the whole Spiku, it's like Mura or whatever. So I was kind of laughing about that. One one sequence I really liked was at the very end when they, they replay like the Zaku's like footage from like the first person perspective and like yeah. how the like, you know, the Thunderbolt gun them like takes him down and stuff i thought that was a pretty like unique thing that i don't think we've ever seen in gundam before yeah i can't remember but yeah kind of it, it, it kind of shows how like eo kind of like toys with his like food or whatever yeah but... yeah the way he's like you know lopping off limbs as he goes and keeps coming in closer and then retreating and then coming back to take out more you know, weaponry or whatever it is. And the guy's like, eventually the guy's just like floating around in space screaming when he finally gets his camera cut off. But I I think like that, th like that to me, that was like a cool sequence. But I think it, it, it's one of those things where like it, it plays with your expectations. Like if me and Justin do like jazz music, there's that element of now that jazz music is going to be an anthem for you know, it's either he's a badass and he's taking them out, or if you're on the other side of the equation and you're getting horribly, you know, mutilated. Do you know it could be like another, uh, an, add another element to that kind of, you know, it's like that thing where, you know, filmmakers like to put in like these sweet songs in the middle of The Shining to like screw with people's expectations. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, th again, that's that's kind of 
what could be going on there. You know, it's it's the same idea of, oh, pop music, but I'm sniping people in the head. You know, like that kind of, you know, it's kind of like a return to that sort of sensibility. <laughs> Yeah, do you like another? I think I mentioned this in maybe one of the unicorn, the unicorn reviews, or maybe the origin reviews. You think it's a, a yet another like thing of like it seems like Daryl's kind of a likable guy, but Eo's like a total like asshole. It seems like so. You think it's more like sort of revisionism that the Federation is actually like almost like like almost as bad as like the Zeon well, and stuff. You know, you know what I think is interesting about that that I didn't realize because that's that's why when I first saw this, I'm like, is this the same side that Amuro came from? Because like if if you think of it that way, like say Amuro's a good guy and he came from side seven. Well, these guys all originally originated from side four and they're trying to take back their side but you notice how they talk about how it's all elitist and and how eo is part of that that sort of elitism and even you know the the woman that he's having that weird kind of i hate you i love you love hate relationship with it's captain claudia paul i guess is her name and they even talk about how like her superiors also died during battle so she was elevated up to the rank of captain just because of her her background and everything and and they you know they they have conversations about that even among the crew but what i noticed was in researching i'm like well have we seen side four before in any other series and when i looked it up it's like oh well you know side four was obviously attacked by the zeon and everything in this but what it ultimately becomes is the first colony that the Crossbone Vanguard attacks and invades. So if you if you follow that tra- that train of thought, that logic, it's like these are the same elitist dumbasses in F91 who let kids get, you know, who were going to put kids in front of mobile suit pirate ships that were attacking them. If that makes any sense. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like that 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 kind of federation guy was around even back then at this side like this side probably isn't like the shining example of of you know federation goodness and and honesty and clarity if that makes any sense yeah that that does matter that's actually pretty cool i didn't know that well if the if the prequels taught us anything is that there are heroes on both sides That idea, Heroes on Both Sides, comes from the opening crawl to Revenge of the Sith, where it states that during the Clone War, there were heroes on both sides. I think it's followed up by um, Evil is Everywhere. This is an interesting concept. But yeah, I was I, I was kind of thinking like, oh, that's kind of cool because because I guess technically speaking, like 
Thunderbolt would become the colony that is in F91. So, and that that's the same colony that, you know, that gets attacked in the opening of that that movie. So, I mean, you know, yeah, I I think the answer to your question is yes, it is revisionist, but it sort of has ties in existing Gundam material sort of, you know, just loose threads that that tie them together. Does this mean like the Xeon dude with the robot arms is going to like come up against EO and reveal that those robot arms split into four arms and he has a lightsaber in each arm? I don't know. I don't think so. I think they want to save that for the movie we already saw. Oh, that so. makes sense. You know, you know what I, well, I, I know this is going to be like funny, but I kind of want to talk about Daryl. Like, I know you said you thought it was weird that all these guys were like the living dead division and they had cyborg arms and stuff like that. I just think like Daryl's character design is really interesting because when I looked at the manga, to be perfectly honest, he looked like just another Japanese kid to me. But in the anime, he kind of has like that weird fro hair that he's got and like he just he just looked like kind of like a he just had more layers to him where I I couldn't really place any kind of ethnicity. He just seemed to have characteristics of of like a, a worldly type of person that had characteristics from like all kinds of different, you know, backgrounds and everything. So I thought that was kind of interesting because I was thinking about like Daryl Dixon in some ways, you know, from like Double O. And I'm kind of like, well, they're both Daryls, you know, and it's like and he does kind of have like, you know, to, to me, it looked like sort of like froey hair but then at the same time he does have like kind of other features that you would kind of say well hey it's not traditionally asian it's not traditionally white it's not traditionally you know whatever they are so like that kind of looked funny to me and i i kind of thought it was it was interesting but but i i couldn't quite place him when i watched the anime and i think when i watched the manga it just seemed like he was you know a, a little more generic whereas here he seems to to stand out a little more like that, you know, maybe that's another explanation to maybe your previous question, Mike, about, you know, why, why isn't he on the front lines? You know, maybe, maybe he is an outsider because of, you know, his background or where he hails from or something like that, even within the context of, you know, Zeon fighting the Federation. The two Daryls are secret brothers. They are. They must be. See cross continuity secret brothers. <laughs> yep. There's there's a portal. There's there's yeah, he he's like the Daryl from Earth Two or whatever you know. <laughs> it's like Daryl Dixon and it's like Daryl Lawrence and they're like running for the the rubble about to fall on some poor kid or whatever. How dare you say that crap! I uh, but I mean I I guess just I, I I guess I don't know if we're out of things to say or whatever because I know it was just a single episode. I mean I'm I'm looking forward to to the other episodes. I mean this did excite me. I mean it was to me it was entertaining. It, it it's it's one of those things where you know I think the the hardcore Gundam fan is going to be like, is this UC? And you're like, yeah, it's UC. Yeah, it's UC, and they're like, cool, it's UC, you know, like, it's Universal Century, and everybody kind of gets excited about that kind of stuff, like, no matter what what time period it's set in. I mean, I, I can see, you know, your your misgivings, Mike, about how closely it's set to the one-year war, but, I mean, to me, I think you, you just have to take it like, you know, Stardust Memory. It's like a side story, and you can't be like, dude, why do they have, like, two Gundams with a nuclear warhead and this and that and the other thing and get all, like, wrapped up into it? You just kind of got to be like, all right, I'll just enjoy this and, 
you know, kind of, you know, hope. I mean, to me, it seems like they're setting up a pretty, pretty cool rivalry between between Daryl and EO. So I'm just looking forward to seeing these guys go at it and maybe do do nasty things to one another, because it seems like that's that's probably where it's going. I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe that that poor captain lady gets killed or maybe, you know, Daryl gets with that, you know, scientist lady or whatever or you know things like that like maybe you know stuff like that is going to go down so that's kind of where i'm thinking it's headed yeah I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing the next episode and yeah like i said well i what i'd say is like i, I was kind of like i don't want to say it was trying too hard to be like cool and jazzy but i i did kind of be like okay i get it it's all like cool and jazzy <laughs> like no, that's fair. I mean, it was it was kind of trying too hard, I suppose. Totally in my face. It was totally in my face with the jazz. Like. Dude, it was in my face with the, the pop music, too, though. That's true. That that seemed weird for a second, where they, they spent some time talking about it, like, in that hallway, like, Daryl, like, oh, you like this one? No, I like this one. It's like, check out that one. It's like, they're a bunch of sluts, and they sing songs. You want to check it out? Yeah, maybe <laughs> later, man. I'll totally check it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that's just to the effect of that they're they're real dudes, you know, like they're kind of you know everybody's got their wants and needs, and and even in the middle of all this kind of like war and chaos and stuff, you know, everybody's like, okay, I I, I want to listen to my music, I want to want to check out some some pictures of some hot chicks. Like it, it it was funny in the manga, it was like a little more tawdry the picture that they were, you know, how like they were showing that album cover or whatever and it's like I think at some point one of those guys that was looking at a picture in the manga, it was it was almost like it was, you know, hardcore porn or something like that where you're like, "Hey, hey now." You know, so. Okay then. I think that I've said all I needed to say. Cool. All right. All right. Anything, any final thoughts, Justin? I'm looking forward to the next episode. And uh, I, I tell you, I'm glad this is Universal Century and, and, and not something else. And I, I really appreciate the sense of realism. And, you know, like I said, there is no lack of client telling you not to destroy their cockpits. Like, <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. I, I guess I'm kind of tired of that stuff. And, like, I want something more like this. So this is really, you know, what I was looking for. Uh, as far as new Gundam stuff goes, so I'm really, uh, really excited to see the next episode. Cool. Yeah, I think that's a great way to wrap this up. So we hope you've enjoyed listening to our pontifications on the first episode of the ONA original net animation for Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt. You can rest assured when some new episodes get posted, we'll come back and try to discuss them and, and let you know what we think of it. But until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, trying not to get shot in the head, signing off. This is Mike. Fuck all y'all campers and snipers. This is Justin. Zig Zion. Zig Zion! Best Valentine's Day was. I know for sure. Because ring for a good night I could not go to sleep My blue white
I don't. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Skype got weird. So Skype's being a bitch. Why you gotta be a bitch like that, Skype? Go go. I'm like, you don't stay online for Barry, Iris. You're gonna stay online for me. <laughs> <laughs>